Praise the Lord. That was good, wasn't it? That worship was. That was real good. Amen. Thank you for the worship team. Amen. The Lord's really good. Oh, yeah, I just want to sit here and just enjoy the Lord just for a second. I don't know about you. I love what Mary said. You know, you do make sacrifices, but, you know, if you love somebody, it doesn't, you know, it's easy to do that most of the time. <laughs> right? You know, sometimes it can be kind of hard to keep Becky happy. <laughs> but because I love her, I do, I do the things necessary. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Yes and amen. All right, I'm going to read this verse I read to you last week. Um, and so what I'm really going to talk to you about some is about uh, learning the ways of the Lord. Because the Lord's ways are different than our ways. And <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I'm a slow learner. You know, because I've been a Christian forever and a day. Uh, longer than I can even you know, want to think about because it makes me feel old, you know, but it took me a long time to for the, to really catch the things about the Lord's ways, and I'm still, oh, we all are in this process of learning, you know, to know the Lord and to, to know how God works. And a lot of people get messed up in their life because God is not doing what they think He should be doing, um, but really He's doing what He's doing, and he invites us to learn His ways. He invites us to find, discover His ways uh, and not uh, fight Him uh, over things in your life and the way things are going. I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to want to buck up and fight uh, for a long time in my life. But I kind of got, got beat out of me. You know, after, after you've lost many fights, you kind of feel like, I don't really feel like getting up and doing that again. So I just kind of... You know, the Lord does something, I'm not real happy. I'm just laying down. You know? <laughs> Go ahead, because I'm going to wind up down here anyway. But. I love this scripture, uh, this Exodus 33, 13. That's where I was reading it, and it really spoke to my heart. Where Moses prayed, Lord, show me the, the point I'm bringing here. Show me your way that I may know you. That was his prayer. Show me your way. In other words, he, it was not an automatic thing for Christians to know the ways of the Lord. It didn't, doesn't just happen automatically. And so, so God wants His heart for us, to, for us to learn His way, His heart for, to teach us His ways. And, but we have to be willing. We have to be willing students. How many people went to school and sit in Algebra 1 and didn't learn nothing? You just learned enough to get... Because you didn't really want to learn it, right? You didn't care. You just wanted to get through the class, right? Well... That's kind of how a lot of Christians are with the Lord. They just want to get through this thing and, and not, not really learn what God's doing and not discover His ways. Because in the process of learning His ways, you, know, you begin to know Him. You begin to discover His heart. And you begin to discover things about God that you have not known otherwise. And you find out that God's worth everything. That's what you really find out. You find out He's worth it all and that He's somebody that is... That you should, that you'll want to pursue, you'll want a relationship with him, you'll want to know him. The the more you discover about him, so I'm going to share a few things this morning that have really become reality in my life, and hopefully they'll become in yours or in them. Some of you, I know this is probably going to be elementary, but first I want to read Luke ten five through six. This is when Jesus sent out the seventy. And he was giving them instructions about what to do when they went out to do this ministry trip that he sent them on. Um, and this is a very powerful couple of verses here, Luke 5 and 6. But whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. So, the, you know, have, I'm sure we've all had this experience where we've prayed for somebody or shared something from our heart and with the attitude of helping them, and you felt like either the words were just falling on the ground in front of you or bouncing back at you. You know what I mean. Okay, and well, there's, it's spiritual. Really, it, that's really true. If you're sensing that and feeling that many times, that's exactly what's happening. That's exactly what happens. You're releasing something to them but because they're not in a position for whatever reason to receive it, 
It's, it's going to come back to you. Just like it did what Jesus says. If, if it's there, if, if there's a son of peace there, then you know, they're going to receive what you're releasing to them. If it's not, it's just going to come back to you. You're not, it's, it's not being wasted because God never wastes anything. So, first of all, that tells me two things. And this is really simple. Is we are able to connect with God in, in at least two ways. Right, that's what that shows. One, the man has said, speak your peace. The peace, speak peace. It was what was in him. Okay, so that's one way we connect with God. The kingdom of God is where? Within you. That's what Jesus said in, in, in Luke 17. It's in you. So that's one way. The other way we connect with God is the, the, the peace of God or, that, or the kingdom of God that's, that we're placed into that's on us, that can come on us. Like it, it was, that peace was able to rest on that man. There's this outward thing. There's this outward atmosphere. There's this outward kingdom of God. There's this open heaven around us spiritually that we are able to connect with God. I always looked at it like this. This is, this is helpful. Is we are living in an atmosphere of air, right? But that air is also inside of us. And if it wasn't outside of us, it couldn't be inside of us. And Jesus is the one who brought, brought it out, brought the air to us, brought the kingdom to us, and opened heaven for us so, we can, so it can be in us and we, it can be around us. And that's what you, you see, that's one of the things you see right away in there is, is what's in you and what can come upon you. And that's really how we begin. That's how you and I can really connect with the Lord. We can, we can connect with the Lord in here and we can connect, like in worship here in a, in a church corporate setting, many times we're connecting with the Lord outwardly. But we're connecting with the Lord outwardly because there's people releasing what's already in them. Okay, they're releasing the kingdom to, 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 into the atmosphere. Does that make sense? And so that's really important. The next thing uh, that's really, I think, is key for us to uh, know and remember is Jesus said, say, say, speak. In other words, that's how what's in you is released, is you speak it. And so there's really a lot of authority and power on words, one way or the other. What you're saying, the Bible tells us, is either, there's either life or death on it. There's really not, it doesn't say there's an in-between. It really never says that anywhere. You can't really find in the Bible where it says, you know, what we say is inert. It, but it does say there's life or death. You know, the tongue can set things on fire. The tongue directs your life. It's like a rudder on a ship. The tongue is a little, little spark that sets a great fire. That's, the, that's what the Bible teaches on it. And so Jesus, really, it really is important what we say. It really is. And so when you say something, it counts. Everything, every word, that's why there's a verse that's, uh, that says, A man will be judged by every idle word. Because God has invested power in words. Y'all get that. And so it's really important, you know, that's why it's important not to gossip. That it's important not to be critical. It's important not to go too far and joking around with people. I mean, you can joke around a little bit, but if you're like me, you like to you sort of like to go for jugger veins and really just, you know, and then wonder why, why are they upset about that? I was not, I was just joking with them. But you know, words can be be, be hurtful. You know that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, words will never hurt me. That's a big lie. They will hurt you really bad. Some of the worst hurt that I've ever had in my life is what people have said to me. Very damaging to a person. So that's really a key thing. Is God really wants us to, for our words to be seasoned with grace. Like it says in Ephesians, let your words be seasoned with grace like salt seasons food. And salt makes food taste good. It adds flavor to food. And that's really what God wants us to do with our words is add the flavor of heaven with our words. And when we speak them, that's what it's adding into people's life. It's a flavor of heaven, an essence of heaven. And that's, that's why we're salt. We're here to flavor the world with the presence of the Lord. Amen. And one of the ways we do it is what he told these guys that were going out. And these guys and gals, what they were doing, speak peace. That's how you're going to flavor things. Is you're going to release the peace of God into this situation. And, that, and the way you release it is you by, by speaking it. So that's such, such a powerful thing. And this is another one that really is, is I, that really the Lord dealt with me pretty hard on was uh, like attracts like in the spiritual realm. Like attract In the natural, the way God made it is uh, opposites attract, right? 
you're attracted to the opposite sex. Thank God, right? That's the God's order. That's the way God created it. And if it's not like it, then there's something wrong. There's a, a perversion. There's a lie. There's a deception that comes on people. Uh, something that has hurt them that causes them to feel the way they feel. But in the spiritual realm, it's, it's opposite. In the spiritual realm, like attracts like. In other words, God's attracted to himself. He's attracted to, to, the, to, to what's in you. Angels are attracted to, to people who are spiritual. Because what they see is they see God. And so whatever we're emitting, whatever we're releasing is going to attract something. Demons are attracted to dark things. If you could see into the spiritual world, you, what you would see around some people is like a, like a you ever seen a, a rubber burn? It burns real dark and black and has a terrible smell to it. That's what it looks like in the spiritual realm around people because that's the essence of what's going on in them. There's this darkness in them. There's this, this bad stuff in them. And it's being released around them and, and it attracts like, you know, a bad, you know, waste attracts flies. I think there's even a verse in the Bible where it says the perfumer's oil is spoiled by flies, right? Something like that. And, and the flies are, and so spiritually, if our, if our essence of who was coming out of us, if it smells bad, if it's, of, if it's not of the Lord, it's going to bring more demonic activity into your life. It's, demons are attracted to bad stuff. Does that make sense? So it makes you kind of really wanting to, you know, get some angels in your life, right? Knowing that the Holy Spirit in you will attract angelic beings into your life and attract angelic help. I want to read this in Matthew. I'm going to read Matthew 13, uh, 10 through 16. Um, this is, of course, uh, in the middle of Jesus giving uh, parables. And the, so he did the parable of the sower. Uh, that was the first one in Matthew 13. You know, that's the, the kingdom parables. Uh, and so he gave this parable, and, the, and it says in verse 10, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? They want to know, what the heck, what's, you know. Uh, and he answered and said uh, to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. That doesn't seem right, does it? Just reading it. But it is right. This is the way God works. This is one of his ways. Okay? Listen, verse 12. For whoever has, to him more will be given. To To whomever has... To him more will be given. Like attracts like. That's what Jesus was saying. If you have something spiritual, if you have something of God, more's coming your way. You can expect. There's more of God for you to experience, and God wants you to experience more, and you will experience more. You will experience more. So whoever has, more is coming. See, that's a really great way of looking at your life. Whatever you're carrying of God, there's more coming. God has more for you experience. We may already have all of God. And I do believe God has given us everything already in our spirits. But we have not in our life experienced everything. We've experienced a drop of what God has to give. We've experienced a drop of our spirit in us. There's so much more. But it doesn't stop there. It says, um, but whoever does not have... Okay? Even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, that's Jesus talking. Now, he, so that's like attracts like. Even the, the little things that people have. Now, I believe the Bible teaches this, that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. I don't believe he's talking about salvation here. But I will tell you this. You can increase in your knowledge and love for God, and you can decrease in, in your life. I promise you there's people sitting in this room they're a lot more spiritually and a lot more in love with the Lord today than they were six months ago. I don't really believe that. But I also believe there's people sitting in this room who are not as in love with God as they were just a few months ago. There's been a diminishing in their life. That sounds sort of bad, doesn't it? But it's true. It really is it's true. And it's because of this, um, you know... God really wants to add more to people, but he's looking for the hearts, okay? Um, so you can increase in revelation knowledge or you can decrease in it. Whatever revelation you're carrying that's been real to you, I'll tell you this, even though God gave it to you, but the life on it can ebb out of you. 
where it doesn't even seem like revelation anymore to you. It really can. And that's really important for us to know that what God's given us is precious. And the revelations that God's put in our life is precious. That's how you have to count anything that God's given you, big or little. And that's why you, you hold it as precious. Are you okay? You don't act like it. Anyways, let me finish reading this. Um, Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Seeing, hearing, and understanding. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you will see, and not perceive. That's the story of many people. That's the story of many born-again people. For the hearts of this people, listen, has what? Grown dull. Grown dull. In other words, it wasn't always dull. But it has become that way over time. And many things can cause your heart to grow dull. We all know sin can, right? That's that, duh. But there's another thing that can cause your heart to grow dull. It's, it's striving and working, trying to do, trying to please God, trying to do what God's done, not doing what God's called you to do, trying to comparing yourself to others not, and trying to take on their assignment instead of your assignment. All those things will wear your heart out and your heart literally in the spirit becomes calloused like calluses on the hand. And it becomes overworked and you become dull. It dulls you down spiritually. Am I talking to anybody? And just even going through hard times in your life, difficult times in your life, when, you, when there's tragedy or there's failure, or there's some things that happen in your life that's, that's hard to get through emotionally and it weighs on you, it will cause your heart to develop that spiritual callus on it. And the fire of God, the passion of God inside you is like a, it gets damp. That's why Paul told uh, Timothy, stir up. Because it's like, that. And literally in the Greek, it's like ashes. The fire has burned down. There's no more fuel and it's just a little embers hidden way down in there. Uh, be careful when you take your grill and think, and you're going to dump, I dump, I told y'all know, some of y'all know about it. Let me tell you what I did one time. This is bad. So one day, me and Becky was going to have a, a nice day together, okay? And so we cooked some, a nice meal the night before and, uh, on the grill, and it was all good. And, but we had to, we got up next morning, we had to come up here to the church for something first, and then we was going to take the rest of the day and just really have a wonderful time. And so we were doing that, and we came up here, and in the meantime... It was time to go. I walked out and I looked at the smoke coming from that direction. Like, wow, there must be a fire over there somewhere. Yeah, there must be a fire. And it turns out the fire was in my backyard <laughs> where I had taken this grill and dumped it. And somehow we wound up going back to the house for something we forgot. And we were noticing that, wow, that fire's in our neighborhood. Somebody's house must be on fire. And then we started going around the corners. It's our house. <laughs> And so we got there, and I was out there trying to put the fire out and just destroyed my shoes that I had on trying to stomp it. I realized this is not, it, it can't, you know. Call the fire department! <laughs> so she called the fire department. They came. It had started spreading down into the, to the woods. It wasn't going to the house. It was going to the woods and burning. And they came. The forestry service came, and they, they put it all out and... I just happened to know some of the firemen because they live in the neighborhood in this area from Shepherds. And so we were all happy thanking them. Thank you so much, you know, blah, blah. And they said, mm, I hate to tell you, man, but the forester guy wants to talk to you out there. <laughs> I said, he does? He said, yeah, it's, it's not going to be good. <laughs> so I went out and talked to the forester guy, and he just said, um, you know, you started a fire. I said, well, it was an accident, you know. He said, yeah. He said, but you still started a fire, and so that's, that's a crime. I thought, oh, yeah. He said, but this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to put your name on a list. <laughs> and if they ever get another fire, you start another fire, you're going to jail. That's what he literally told me. You will go to jail over it. You'll get fined. I said, I will never start another fire. <laughs> oh, no, that literally happened. That kind of ruined the day, to be honest with you. 
but I've never started another fire. So the moral of the story is if you grill something, do not empty that grill without pouring water on it for days, weeks. I let mine go on, you know, I'm not grilling anymore for a while. I don't know how I got on that. It's about your fire. Yeah, stir it up. For the hearts have grown dull. Their ears are hard to hear and in their eyes they have closed. That's what happened. I'm talking about spiritual now. Least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Least they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. That's Jesus talking. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore, then he goes on and explains the parable of the sower to him. So, Jesus used parables not only to reveal truth to those who were sincerely seeking truth, he used it also to hide the truth from casual, casualness, aloofness, lukewarmness. See, God will not, I'm telling you, this is the way God works. Because Jesus said that. He doesn't put his best stuff out there in front of the world to, to go and take and plunder it. Now salvation is a free gift, but I'll tell you one thing. The anointing of God, the glory of God, the manifest presence of God, all that's going to cost you something. And it's not, it's not works. It's not something we earn. But it's a heart. Listen, let me tell you something. You and your spouse have intimacy together because there has been something poured into that relationship. There's been commitment put into that relationship. That's the way it's supposed to work. God looks for the same thing. Your your spouse opens their hearts up to you like they do nobody else, hopefully. Because why? Because there's this communion, there's this connection. And see, God's the same way. He doesn't just open His life up, His heart, to the best things to everybody. They're available to everybody. They're freely available to everything. But really, He hides it under the surface of life, under the surface of everything that's going on around here this morning. I promise you, there's something else going on. Under the surface, every song sung, every prayer prayed, and every, every word preached, there's something else going on that, that we're not necessarily, it's not easy to see. We can only see it by with our spiritual self. And we have to learn how to tune into our spiritual self to be able to connect in with those choice things of God. And that's what, really what the Bible teaches. And that's, why, and that's why a lot of times we're confused in our life and we're wondering why things are not working. Are y'all good? I'm just trying to tell you something here. I didn't make this stuff up, but I'll tell you something. I found out a lot about this just by walking and grinding it out, so to speak, with God and wondering why the heck things weren't working in my life the way I read in the Bible. And they weren't working because I had an expectation and a belief system that really wasn't biblically based. It was some, something ridiculous. I don't even know what it was. It was a mixture of stuff. Okay. Let me read verse 36. Then Jesus sent, I'm skimming down. He explained this to these disciples evidently that came to him about the parable of the sower in front of everybody. Okay, if you, if you read the whole story, he was on the seashore or he was actually in a boat. And I guess they went out to him and talked to him and he took a break from talking to everybody else. But everybody else was still standing out there where he, where he said all that. He wasn't saying that to the multitude of people. He wasn't saying that all about their seeing with their eyes and hearing with their ears. He was saying it to his disciples about them people out there. And so then he decides, okay, listen, we're done. He gave three or four parables and then he says, we're done. That's what he did. I'm done. He wasn't mad. He he had shared some awesome stuff. And what he did is he threw it out of what I said. He spoke something. And I believe probably what happens is he spoke and he realized those words were just falling on the ground. The people, the multitude wasn't receiving what he was saying. They were probably like, oh, he's a great teacher. Look how wonderful he teaches. He says some really profound stuff. We don't really get it, but it's really good. But he realized it wasn't finding ground in anybody's heart. So he dismissed them. All right, we're done. We're moving on. 
you know, I've done what I'm supposed to do. So it, then it says he goes in the house. He said, verse 36, he spent, sent the multitude away and went into the house. And listen, his disciples came to him. They came to him. He didn't go to them. He went into a house and they went to where he was at. It was like when he died and was crucified. Guess what he told them? Hey, he told the lady, uh, Mary, that saw him. Go tell my disciples to meet me at the Sea of Galilee. In other words, y'all get up from where you're at and go to where I'm going to meet you at. Listen, this is how God works. Many times God says to you and I, Oh, uh, meet me in Lincolnton. Well, I don't want to meet you in Lincolnton, Lord. I don't want to go to Lincolnton. But if He says that to you, it's a good place to go. Right? Now, God's going to meet you right where you're at all the time. He really will. And bless you and do all that. But there's more. That's what I'm trying to tell you. There's a greater thing that He has over in Lincolnton or wherever, however He... Okay, I woke up this morning. Let me tell you this. Are y'all all right? I woke up this morning. I ain't going to tell you everything, but I had some really great stuff going with the Lord this morning. I just love that when God wakes you up and gives you a song. It's not a Christian song. It's a Steely Dan song. You know, and I, don't know the, I didn't know the meaning of that Steely Dan song, but I looked it up and found out a bunch of stuff about Steely Dan that really spoke to my heart. It was really the Lord speaking to me. And actually, it wasn't the song itself. It was the person who wrote the song and why he wrote the song. I knew God, that's what God was telling me. Okay? That was, but the Lord said, get your Bible. I'm thinking, I don't really use those Bibles, Lord. I use my iPad. <laughs> and besides, my back hurts. And I'm going to go downstairs and stretch my back. <laughs> so that's what I did. So I went and stretched my back for a little bit and... Thinking, I need to go get that Bible, man, and start reading it. So I thought, I'm not going to read with my iPad. I'm going to read with this Bible that's sitting on this table for some reason. I think I might convert back over to Bibles, real ones, you know, versus I. That's what I'm thinking. I think I'm going to go back to that. And I keep getting this itch to. So I was opening the Bible, I was reading it, and I read, you know, just my devotional prayer or reading that, that I do just for. You know, to be with the Lord, not to, not to get any study or, you know what I'm saying, just reading to God because I love reading the Bible because God talks to me through the Bible and I need God to talk to me personally. And, well, it was good, but, you know, that was pretty good. I don't know why I had to read it out of the regular Bible. The print's a lot littler and, you know. But then this note fell out of the Bible. And it was by this message this guy preached 17 years ago that somebody took the notes and gave them to me and I opened them up and started reading them and I realized everything that the Lord was saying to me about the song about this dream I had that those notes explained it now this what I'm saying to you is God if I wouldn't have picked up that Bible you see that was the key thing for me is to pick up the Bible I don't read the Bible like that. I read it on my iPad. What am I doing that for? My back hurts. You know, I want some coffee before I read the Bible. <laughs> but see, what I'm saying is God really wants us, He's really asking us to engage Him. Okay? He's really asking us. No marriage, no good marriage is one-sided. It's not just one person pouring into the marriage. It doesn't work. Well, anyways, are y'all all right? So he went in the house and, and, and they said to the Lord, Lord, explain to us the, the parable of the tares of the field. That was the last parable he shared. Explain that to us. So even though Jesus was saying, you have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand, they still didn't. Okay? But because they were pulling on Jesus... Okay, they were pulling on him for answers. They weren't just saying, oh, that don't make no sense. That's just crazy or that, I just don't understand that and just walk off. No, they had something. There was this desire in them. There was this hunger in them. There was, they wanted to know, what in the world does this mean? I want to know what this means. 
I'm not going to just be just like the multitude that you're going to dismiss. They're going to go on their merry way. We heard a great teaching today from this guy, Jesus, and that was really cool. You know, they weren't really willing for that. They wanted something more. They knew there was something in this man's words that carried something. And they wanted to know what it meant. They wanted to be able to have that in their life. They wanted more of God of what they were experiencing. They weren't satisfied with the level they were at. And see, that's the way God is. He doesn't want us to get comfortable and get into our little world, our little box, the way God is and the way we relate to God. God has more He wants to do. And He has more of Himself He wants you to know about. And He wants to pull people into that and draw people into that. And that's what He was trying to do with the multitude. He was trying to draw them. He was trying to get them to beckon them to come. He would have stayed there all day if He needed to, if they were pulling on Him and they, and they were saying, hey, explain this to him. I don't understand this. And that's how God is with us. That's why Moses said, Lord, if I found grace, show me a way. I, I don't have answers here. Are y'all following this? God, Moses, I think I said this last week. Moses said, if I found grace, at verse 13. If I found grace. In other words, he had found grace. God said, I've given you grace. Then show me a way. Everything that God does, this is important. Everything that God does is conditional, right? Conditional promise. I will do this if you, that's what a condition is. If you'll do these things, if you'll come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, you'll find rest, but you have to come to me. The condition is come to me. You get that? If you don't come, you're not going to find that rest. Are you following this? And so, so, but there's something unconditional. Everything rests on. Moses said, I've already found the grace. I already got the grace. So if I already have it, but it doesn't mean he already was grasping it. It doesn't mean he, he, you know, he was not willing to just let it, oh, I got grace. That's awesome. How does that impact my life? How does that change me? How does that affect how I live? How does that affect my relationship, my family, my children, my employment, my finances? How does that affect everything? I got to know this. I'm not going to be satisfied just having some thought that God's given me grace. That was what Moses was saying. And that's why he said, show me your ways that I might know you. Yeah, I think it is. I think that's really it. So anyways, so I got to finish this. I got to finish this. Um, I wanted to share this one little parable that he shared with them. Remember, he's with the crowd, went into the house. They were asking him. He explained that parable of the wheat and tares. He explained it to them. Then he told them a few more parables, not to the crowd, but to those who were in the house. You see, the crowd's going to get one thing, but the people who are really going out to the Lord, they're going to get some more stuff. That's what he, that, if you look at that whole chapter, that's what you see. God has thrown himself out to everybody. But those who really want it, who are willing to go in the house and go into that place with them, He's got more to say. All the multitudes, they didn't hear this. They didn't find out any of these things he shared after that. There were several more parables that he talked about the kingdom. In other words, he was saying, okay, I'm going to explain to you guys more about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God works and how it works in your life, how it flows in your life. So they, were, they got all that because they took the effort to go to the house and they took the effort to ask him and pull on him and let him know they weren't satisfied which is hearing something and not really getting it. And that's really what, how the Lord wants us to treat him. When we read the Bible, like, oh, I don't understand that, and complain about it, maybe we should say, Lord, I really don't get this. This is, this is just craziness, Lord. I can't get this. What in the heck does this mean? Now, Lord, I heard this guy say this about it. Is that true? You know, you should say, Lord, Byron said this about this. Is that really true, Lord? Is that really what you had to say, Lord? That's great what he said, but the truth is I need to hear it from you. You know, because you're the one who really knows. None of these other cats don't know. They know a little piece. We know in part, right? Well, anyways, so one of them was this uh, parable of the hidden treasure. Um, verse 44 through 40-something, anyways. I think verse 44. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. That's why I talked to you about the treasure hidden in a field. We're, you know, last week, we're, the treasure is hidden in us. There's a treasure hidden in everyone in this room. I want to expound on that a little bit. The treasure hidden in the field which a man found, 
and hid. He found the treasure and hid the treasure. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Well, here's, I looked at some background on that because I thought that was really interesting. Because, you know, in America now, people ain't finding no treasures nowhere. You know, have you been to the beach and seen these guys walking around with them stupid metal detectors? I mean, they walk all day and find a nickel. You know, somebody feels dropped a nickel out of their cooler, and they guess what they spent? They're like a $500 metal detector. I'm thinking, dude, go somewhere where there's some money, not on the beach, you know. You're just going to find some coins on the beach, man. Go, go somewhere there's money. Buried treasure. Well, in Jesus' day, because of the Roman government, the Roman, because Rome had conquered Israel and were oppressors, people who had any kind of wealth they would hide their wealth in the ground. In fact, that's what the rabbis of, that, of Jesus' day told them. The safest place for your wealth is in the ground. So they would hide this wealth in the ground. And it was there safe because so if one morning the Roman soldiers showed up at your house and walked in there and started pushing everybody around and you had all your valuables laid out, they'd just take them. And there was nothing you could do about it. That's, that's really what was happening back then. That's what... We think about we don't really think about the, the tragedy in people's lives. When uh, I remember a friend of mine who's a pastor who was in Kuwait when back when Iraq in the nineties invaded Kuwait, he was sixteen years old, and his mom came in there one morning and said, "Son, you need to get up." He said, "Why? Just get up and come in here." And he walked into the living room of the house, and there stood Iraqi soldiers. Now, how would you like to wake up one morning with soldiers from another nation that had invaded your nation, and there they were in your house to talk to you, find out what you had? Well, those Roman soldiers, that's what they would do. They'd go in their house, and if they were bad guys and wanted what you had, and you had stuff, they'd take it. So these uh, rabbis told people, hide your stuff, bury your stuff. And so that's where this thing came from. So these people that were hearing this, these men, these disciples, they understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. They had a, a very good grid on it. What it meant to finding a treasure in a field. Well, this guy came one day, he found this treasure. And it really doesn't say he was looking for it or he wasn't looking for it. But he discovered a treasure in a field. Okay? And, and, the, and the law, the, the Jewish law was this. If you buy the field, you can have the treasure in the field. But you couldn't take the treasure unless you owned the property it was found in. So evidently, in this situation, the person who buried the treasure died or left town, and who, the family or whoever was left, well, they didn't know the treasure was there. So they sold the field not knowing what they were selling. And this guy who had found it and rehid it bought the field and got the treasure. Okay, now that's what Jesus was saying. That's, this is how the kingdom works. Okay? Kingdom works like this. Kingdom works like there's something hidden beneath the surface. It's not salvation because Jesus Christ is the best known person who's ever lived in the world. And everybody knows he either is God or he's not. And everybody knows he either died for our sins or not. So that's put out there. It's more... Well, I said before, it's more of the precious things of God, more of the beautiful things of God, more of, the, of God's self, more of God's heart, more of what God has for people that's hidden out there. That's what he was trying to say. There's something precious out there. There's something hidden out there. God's hid it. And if you happen to discover, if you happen to run across that field, it's worth selling it all to get the field to get to the treasure. But here's the thing. I've got to thinking about this. You know, when you bought the tre- when you bought the field, and we bought to get the treasure, you had to deal with the field. Okay, now think about it like this: when I met Becky and fell in love with Becky, she was the treasure. Okay, and I wanted Becky because to me she was the treasure. She was the treasure of my life, and I would do anything to get her. So that's what what I did. I did everything to get her and married her. But when I married Becky, I also married Becky's field. (laughs) Becky had a field. And I had to deal with that field. Becky had problems. Becky had issues. Becky had idiosyncrasies. That was her field. And so many a marriage don't make it. I discovered this. Many a marriage don't make it because 
Somebody in the marriage gets their eye on the field and forgets the treasure. Now that's the truth. And they look across the road and they see a better field that looks a little greener. You know, it's always greener on the other side of the fence, that old saying. It's true. Oh, that field looks a lot better than this field. Not knowing that when they step into that field, it's a cesspool. It's doo-doo under there. That's why it's so green and nice looking. Well, the truth is, I was the person with the worst feel when we got married. I had, I had financial debt. She didn't have any. I had a lot of more problems than she did. But here's the truth. I'm going to tell you this. I've told Biggie this all the time. I want you all to know this, okay, about her and me. When we got married, and I, it's true to some degree today, Becky had what they call is Sunday morning flesh. You know what Sunday morning flesh is? That's good flesh. That's, I'm going to do right. I'm going to act right. I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, I had Saturday night flesh. <laughs> Saturday night flesh is the bad flesh. It's bad, doing bad things, thinking bad things. Well, that was the problem. We were both kind of messed up people because we were immature in the Lord, and our flesh was real active, but it was a different kind of flesh. And I'll be honest with you, Saturday night flesh is really hard to deal with. You know, that's a bad feel. Think about a feel in the natural, you know, I want you to see this. To get to the treasure, you've got to get through some things. Fields can have briars in them. Fields can have yellow jackets in them. Fields can have mosquitoes in them. Okay, fields can be real hot. Just miserable hot to be out in the middle of a field in the middle of the day. Or they can be real cold at night. You know? And so that's, that's a picture. You know, you're probably going to get stung by some yellow jackets going for this treasure. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? I'm talking about the treasure of the Lord. But see, when you've you got to buy the field. You've got to buy into the issues. You've got to buy into the problems to really enjoy everything that God has. There's so many people. Well, that person's no longer part of any kind of fellowship or communion. Why? Oh, they got hurt. It was the field that hurt them. They, stuck, they stepped on a sand spur in the field. Y'all know what sand spurs are? Oh, Lord. Sand spurs. I can remember when I was a boy stepping on sand spurs. And you step on your, on your heel in a certain way, a cold chill run up your body. It hurts so bad. I mean, and if you had never stepped on a sand spur, you're blessed. There were these purple sand spurs. They were purple. They were wicked. And then there was these green ones. They were bad. And then there were these old brown ones that would break off inside of your foot. Yeah. Where I grew up, sand spurs were everywhere. You, you, when you walked, if you walked into the field, you better have some shoes on. If you walk with pants, they would grab your pants and be hung on your pants. Usually they had a, it was like a piece of grass that grew up in that three or four sand spurs, which was a little ball with a bunch of thorns on it is what it was. It was terrible. Well, those fields have sand spurs in them. If we're going to really have, these fields have mosquitoes in them. I'm talking this is what it's going to really take. We're going to have to go through some things. Through much tribulation, we, we, we possess the kingdom. That's what Paul said in Acts 14, through, my, through difficulty. That's what he was talking about. There's all this other stuff that's going to hinder you. There's all these things that's going to discourage you. And, and it's going to be a mess in your life. Let me read this little thing here. Are you all right? I think this, this is what I think about the treasure. The treasure of the kingdom is not in a comfortable place. It's hidden in an uncomfortable place. It really is. If you're going to really have it, there's going to be some discomfort that's going to come into your life. I don't, it really is true. Everybody I know who really has walked into the kingdom, they walk through some discomfort in their life. They walk through some difficulties in their life. In fact, I'll tell you this, most people walk through some things that devastated them. I mean, absolutely devastated them and broke their hearts and disappointed them to no end. But they kept hanging on. They knew there was a treasure and they were willing to put up with all that. Because they knew this treasure was worth it all. Once they grabbed a hold of that treasure, they could say, I don't ever want to have to go through that again, but this was worth it. He would come because he's the treasure ultimately, and he's worth it. Anyways, a good friend of mine wrote me an email one time because we had this church service that was just insane. And uh, she had some comments on this insane church service that we had. When I say insane, it was Holy Ghost insane. You know, it's one of those church services where the Holy Ghost just wrecks the church. Half the people want to leave. 
the ones who don't want to leave are just like befuddled. You know, it was just insane. But this is what she wrote me. She said, sometimes the things God has for us don't look beautiful at first. He showed me that they are really like natural birth. Not beautiful if you look at the outward expression. Just like natural birth can be a bit loud at times, it is messy. And if you're not prepared for it, it can be quite scary. Whether you're the one in labor or you're just someone who is around it. (laughs) Well, here's my story on that. I got to tell you this. When we were having babies, you took these classes called Lamaze. You know, childbirth, yes, I was real sorry. <laughs> it was cool, the first three or four classes, but the last classes, they were going to show you videos of live births. And I'll tell you the truth, man, I, I was totally repelled by all that. I mean, these women in there screaming. I mean, and there is no uh, cover the women up. I mean, you know, it's worst pornography ever. I mean, these women, you know, having a baby, I mean, and they're filming the thing, and they're screaming, they're cussing, and, and, and there's water, and there's blood. And I just thought, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. I didn't say it to Becky because I knew they was, don't say anything, she's pregnant. But I'm thinking, I got I to gotta find a way out of this. I, I just can't go set through. I can't take. I can't take that blood. I can't take all that screaming and carrying on. It's just a disaster area in there. I literally felt that, and I was saying, "Lord, get me out of this. Let her mama or somebody go in there with her." You know, but I'm just not geared up for this. This is not my bag. I don't want to be around it. I don't want to see it. And that's what I was saying. Well, the truth is, I knew I had to, because I would hurt her. If I didn't, and I wasn't willing to hurt her, so I just like, I'm gonna probably throw up a couple times, and you know, I'm gonna close my eyes, I'm gonna do whatever I can to make it through this terrible moment. But I'll tell you what I found out when it's your wife and it's your baby, none of that touches you. You don't give a rip. They could wipe all that stuff all over your face. You just, just don't get it in my eyes because I need to make sure she's okay. You know? And this, this is what my friend was saying. Yeah, it was crazy. But this is what she said. But also like birth, the things of the Lord bring about the most beautiful, precious gift. Bringing forth life, whether spiritual or natural, is a messy process. This girl knows what she's talking about. Amy Squires. How many kids does she have? (laughs) Six. She's done it six times. So when she wrote me that, I listened because she knew something. And that's what I've seen about the treasure, about God, it's a dang mess sometimes. It really is, but it's precious. It's precious when we are willing to wade through all of that to get that precious gift, that baby that came out of the womb. we wading through it to hold that baby and kiss that baby and love that baby. That's the way God is. That's His picture of it. And that's really what God, that's what I've learned about God. That's what I've learned about the things of God. That God really wants us to put, we'll have to put up with some stuff. We're going to have to put up with a lot of things, really, that, that are not pleasant. But I'll tell you, every bit of it's worth it. It's worth it. I'm telling you, it's worth it. I am so thankful that I didn't quit when I could have. I didn't give up on God as many a time I felt like it. Or be offended that the Lord, that I have, let me just say this, I've done all of that. In my earlier Christian life, I've been mad, so mad at God, I couldn't stand it. I didn't want anything to do with God. I thought I said bad things to God, you know. But at the end of the day, somehow God kept a hold of me. I think God held on to me when I couldn't hold on to God is really what it was. But there was a moment in time when things shifted in my life, you know. And things are shifting in my life right now. Tell you the truth, there's something happening. You know, God's doing something. And I think Ryan hit it. It's, it's inward. It's in us. And I think he's turning hearts and healing hearts because God wants to bring us into something new. And I promise you it'll probably be messy. <laughs> it'll probably be terrible messy. Lord, help us. Help us to be, Lord. I want to pray for you if you'd like for me to pray. Hey, let's do, let's do a pretend altar call. Okay, this is a pretend, what I call a pretend. I'm going to pretend everybody came down 
to respond to this message. All of y'all came down. Oh, everybody's here. They're just so hungry for the Lord. And this message was so powerful it spoke to them. Let's pretend that happened. <laughs> and you can just stay right where you're at. But if you want to stand up, I'm going to pray for you like, like you responded, okay? But you can respond where you're at. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you whether you're... Because it didn't tell us. In fact, the next, the next parable it says there was a man... There was a man looking for pearls. He was actively looking. It didn't tell us if this man was actively looking or not. It says he just found it. Maybe just in the course of his time, his day, like Moses, in the course of life, he runs across this burning bush. So it's not like what you're doing at this moment, other than saying, Lord, if there's a burning bush, if there's a treasure, I tell you what, Lord, somehow get, my, get me to it. I'm too dumb to get to it, Lord. I don't even know what to do. Just get me to that where that treasure is, where that bush is, and I can see it. And help me to see it and help me to realize it's precious. And it'll be worth, it'll be worth the trouble. It'll be worth the sorrow I went through. It'll be worth the broken heart I went through. It'll be worth the loss I went through. And that's what I'm saying. If you can say that to the Lord. A lot of time we can't say it on the front end. But if God becomes precious to you, if the treasure becomes precious to you, you look back, and this this is what I've said many times, Oh God, I would never want to go through that again. Ever, ever. But what you did in me, Lord, I would not trade it for all the money on the planet. Because what you did in me was precious beyond measure. It's the most great, it's the great, it's, it's the treasure, it's everything. And you see, that's, that's how it works. I, I'm not asking you to say to God, oh, I want to go through, don't ask for hard times. Don't ask for trials, don't ask for tribulation, don't ask for difficulties. Don't ask, because it's, it's going to be there anyway. You know, you don't have to ask for that. But ask for this heart. Lord, somehow get me through it. Somehow in the middle of this, in the middle of my worst moment, in the middle where I feel like I have hit bottom, and I've hit bottom hard, man. I hit bottom so hard, literally it physically hurt me. It jarred me. It hurt my body. It hurt my body. It just didn't hurt my soul and spirit. It hurt my body. I hit, hit so low. But somehow in that place, I found that God was there. I just found that He was there. And that God is worth it. I guess that's what I'm saying. He's worth all this. He's worth the trouble. He's worth the disappointment. He's worth the hurt. He's worth the fallen and burned up dreams. He's worth it all. One time a man had a child to die. And nobody wants a child to die. I mean, that's just craziness. God didn't kill the child. And he was... Upset with the Lord, obviously. And he said, Lord, I had a promise in baseball to be a professional baseball player. And I gave it up for you. And now you've taken my child. And the Lord said, I didn't want your career. I didn't want your child. I don't want any of that. I want you. I want your heart. That's all I want. I don't want all that. You don't have to give me that. You don't have to give me a career. You don't have to give me all your stuff. The man sold all he had. What do you really have? You could sell all this other stuff out. That means nothing, but it's your heart. It's, that's what God's looking for. That's what we sell out. We sell out who we are. This, Lord, I give you my heart. That's, all, that's the most precious thing I have is because that's all I really have. That's all I really have. That's what that man did. And it's just a grace thing, really. It's just a grace thing. You know, we lost a baby. God heals. God will heal you. Some of you in here, you've lost a marriage, but God will heal you. You've lost a ministry. God will heal you. God will do that. That's part of the field. That's part of the... That's part of getting stung by the yellow jackets and getting stepping on stands. That's all that, what all that is. That's, that's, that's what it is. That's the mess... That's the difficulty of the field. But the treasure, the treasure is precious. 
And when we leave this earth, that's all we're going to carry. We're going to carry the treasure with us. That's what we're going to go to the Lord and carry the treasure. Him. And what He's formed in us. Lord, I just pray for us, all of us. And I'm putting me in the middle of this, Lord, because if there's ever been... If there's ever been a guy, Lord, who was a failure and there's ever been a guy who struggled to overcome things, it's been me. I've struggled. What they sang this morning, that God shows up. God wants to show up in your life. God wants to do things for you. The thing you... that's The thing that has kept you back God wants to free you from it I think I shared last week that God visited me and something I could not get over couldn't get fixed in my life God fixed it you know what he told me he said "Um, there's going to be times when you don't feel like it's going to be fixed but don't believe what you feel believe what I say and I say I came to set the captives free I've set you free and whom the Lord has set free is free indeed believe that when your feelings don't line up with that just keep believing that you're going to be alright because you're free so Lord I pray this morning for people there's people in this room I promise you I just want to take this moment that you you got something going on in your heart that you can't win it may be a sin that you just like, I'm tired of repenting from it. You know what I mean? Uh, yes, you do know, because I've done it. I know. I've repented from this sin 999 times in the last week alone. Lord, I'm tired of repenting and going back and doing the same thing, thinking the same thing. I just don't want to do that no more. It may be that, or it may be some pain or wound in your life from your past that's marred you and scarred you in a way that's not healthy. God wants to meet you there. God wants to show up in your life and touch you. It may require forgiveness. In my case, I had to forgive somebody that I loved as much as I, you know, you can put the top five people in this world that I loved. Well, that person was up in the top five, and they hurt me. I can't tell you how they hurt me. It was incredible how they hurt me. And I knew I had to forgive that person but sometimes forgiving we're still not healed sometimes when we forgive the healing doesn't come right away sometimes it comes fast but you do need to forgive you need to forgive and when that person was dying I went to see him he was like in the hospice and he was dying and I hadn't seen him in a few years and he was 49 years old and he looked like he was 90 years old he had cancer and it had destroyed him and I was able to tell him that I loved him and I had forgave him for what he did to me I was able to tell him that before he died and told him like you know just, just go, go be with the Lord go be with the Lord there's nothing here on this earth left behind for you and that's so, it's so important to forgive people just for, even for their sake just forgive and sometimes you have to tell the person sometimes you don't need to I'm not trying to explain that but I hope somebody and I'm speaking to somebody in this room because I don't like talking about all my stuff on this level <laughs> but I think you this morning it took the Lord though I just want to emphasize that it took God coming to me in that situation and saying I freed you from it. And when he did, when he said that, I knew I was free. And that had, it was years in my life, years. I don't want to see you, anybody in this room, spend years in your life trying to overcome things that hurt you and wounded you and marred your life and you're not able to live and be the precious person that you are. And after the Lord did that, I was looking at a picture of myself. This is crazy. And I saw myself like I've never saw me. I saw myself the way God sees me for the first time in my life. 
And then I started looking around and I started seeing a lot of things the way God sees them. Not just me, but I started seeing other people. I started seeing flowers the way God said. That's crazy. I don't sit around looking at flowers. I, said, I don't care about flowers. What flowers? Who cares about them? They stink. <laughs> I started looking at these flowers and thinking, man, them things are amazing. God's so creative. I just saw beauty in things that I never saw before. It's because all that stuff had put these terrible lenses on me. And when those lenses started coming off, I began to see things the way God saw them. And God sees things different than we do. And if you can begin to see yourself the way God sees you, then you can begin to see others the way God sees them. And you can start getting free in your life. And I'm telling you, they talk about the joy of the Lord. That's where the joy starts flowing like a river. Because you've tapped into the heaven. You've tapped into the presence of God. I just want to pray that, Lord. I just pray for people in this room and their family, their children. Lord, protect the children, Lord. Protect the children, the little ones that are innocent, Lord, and are living in a world that's very dangerous, very perverted, very hostile. I just pray for them, Lord, our children, our grandchildren. I pray you'd protect their hearts, Lord. Do not let predators get near them, Lord. And parents, I really encourage you to pray. Grandparents, pray for your children, your grandchildren. God would keep them from predators because the world's full of predators. And here's the terrible thing about predators. Sometimes they're right in your face. They're right in your face. We need to be kept from predators too. Spiritual predators. The culture of the world predators that want to come in and consume you and hurt you. I pray that, Lord, every person in this room. I want anyone in this room, if y'all could shut your eyes, I want you to raise your hand. If you, and we've done a little bit of this already. Thank you, Ryan, for doing that. That was awesome. I want you to raise it. But if you're a person, that there's something in your life that really, and you know today that you need God to do something, raise your hand and just say, Holy Spirit, I, I ask you to help me. I ask you to come and I ask you to reveal yourself and free me. Free me, Lord. I do not want to live my life, wasting my life, not being there to be the real me and live fully the way you've called me to live. And I'm acknowledging to you right now, I can't do this. I can't do it. I've done all I can do. But I'm like the disciples that went in the house. Lord, explain, help. Help, Lord. We're coming to you. You're our help. Help me. And just say that to the Lord in your words. Holy Spirit, I just release you right now to do that. I release you to do that. To free, to heal, to break walls down, to break barriers, Lord. To set the captives free. To open the blind eyes, Lord. To heal the broken heart, Lord. That's what you do, Jesus. That's your anointing. Release your anointing in this room right now. Release your anointing on every person in this room. Every person. Every one of us. Every one of us, Lord. Release that same anointing on us. In us first, Lord. In us, Lord. In us. And do what it does in us. And then put it on us, Lord. To take it. To take it where we go, Lord. To take it to the hurting out there. To the lost, Lord. To the blind. To the religious. To the lawless. We just ask you to do that, Lord. We ask you to do that, Lord. Help us to be whole so the Spirit of the Lord can rest on us. That the dove of the Spirit can rest on us. Lord, help us to be diligent to walk through that place. The desert that Jesus walked through when the devil came to him. The Bible says he went in full. He went, came out in power. Lord, help those in this room that are full. But they need, to, they need to go across that field. They need to get to the other side of that desert, that field, to get the treasure, to get the power, Lord. Help them to get through, Lord. Walk them through, Lord. Walk them through. Walk them through the hurt. Walk them through the disappointment. So they can get to the treasure. And use them. Use them, Lord. Use them like you use Jesus.
He's our model. He's the one we're following. Just ask you to do that today, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. What a great day. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we want to dismiss everybody today, but before we dismiss you, if you want more prayer, our our ministry team really wants to pray for you. That's why they're here. So they'll be coming on up. Ministry team, come on. And um, if you want prayer before you leave, come on up. If you want to stand in for prayer, they'll pray for, for someone else on your behalf. Okay. Come get baptized today if you've never been baptized and you want to. We're starting dunking people at 2 o'clock. Come early if you want to eat with the folks out there. Bring your own food. But other than that, have a great week. Go in grace and peace to love and serve the world. Amen.